Phase Zero Season 3, Episode 5 starts right now. I'm your host, Brandon Davis, joined today by Aaron Perrine. What's going on, y'all? We have so much to talk about. Woo, and so little sleep. Jenna Anderson. <laughs> hey, everybody. Yeah, did something big happen in the past like day or so? I don't know. I don't think anything happened. I don't know. I don't I'd know. tell you, if you only pay attention to Marvel, the answer is no. Yeah. Ain't nothing that happened except Ant-Man billboards being ingrained into your brain. Liam Crowley's here. I know what you're talking about, Jenna. Tom Brady retired from oh, football wow. today. I, I know. We're all sad over here. I shed all my tears a year ago. I'm not that sad. <laughs> Oh, did Brandon oh, glitch? Is I it think a he bit? glitched. Oh no. Is it a bit? <laughs> I shouldn't have brought I shouldn't have brought up Tom Brady. Literally Brady, Brady crashed his show. brain. I think Brady cursed the show. Wow. Um yeah, Brandon has been having a little bit of technical issues, so I guess I will keep talking in his stead. Um but yeah, we have a we have a lot to talk about today. We do have MCU news and then we do have um the DCU news that was announced yesterday, we do have to address that a little bit. Um, I'm so sad that Brandon kind of glitched out because I was hoping that he would kind of lead the whole conversation. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I guess, Aaron, you're at the top of the board. I don't want to have to start the DC conversation because I could talk about it for half an hour. So, oh, Brandon, oh look, Brandon I'm Davis. Back. I'm back. Back. Listen, I'm going okay. to be completely honest with everybody. I'm moving my the topic I'm talking about up above yeah. Liam because I got limited battery left i want to get through these first two topics my computer is going to die when i was traveling because of all this dc madness i left the charger on the plane but it was already broken so whatever i need to get a new one thank you comicbook.com for paying for that uh (laughs) all right we got to open today's show i missed the little 30 seconds there where i was disconnected because i don't pay enough for internet uh the dc universe chapter one has been unveiled for the most part there's a lot of titles they haven't unveiled they're going to talk more about this on comic book nation on friday with kofi matt and janelle uh but they unveiled chapter one we got creature commandos superman legacy waller the authority booster gold the brave and the bold lanterns supergirl woman of tomorrow paradise lost and swamp thing if you look at this image which i made myself because graphic design is my passion this is how it was presented to us in this presentation by james gunn and peter saffron these are not the official logos some of these i clearly made myself some of them are comic logos that i just stripped out everything else and put them in this uh, timeline this is how the timeline was shown to us but it's not necessarily the release order good chance waller and creature commandos come before superman legacy top half of this timeline superman authority brave and bold Supergirl and Swamp Thing are movies. Bottom half, Creature Commanders, Waller, Booster Gold, Lanterns, Paradise Lost are all series. Then you have the MCU Phase 5 to compare it to, which is the next couple of years of Marvel content. Uh, I think we have... Uh, we got Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, starting Phase 5. Uh, Waller... Or no, no, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong <laughs> one. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Secret Invasion, Echo, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Loki, The Marvel's Blade, Ironheart, Art, Agatha Coven of Chaos, Daredevil Born Again, Captain America, New World Order, and Thunderbolts. That is phase five of the MCU. And then, of course, phase six, Fantastic Four, Avengers, The Kang Dynasty, and Avengers Secret Wars. So, I mean, it's basically the conversation I want to have here is what do you, how do you expect these two franchises to line up and compare in terms of fan experience, box office, building the franchise for the future uh, with these titles because everybody I, I see a lot of reactions to this phase five stuff or this this chapter one stuff for the dcu and they're like oh i don't know what these characters are blah 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 oh yeah we also have deadpool 3 in here somewhere which was not part of the comic-con announcements so a lot of stuff coming from marvel a lot of stuff coming from the dcu 
people talking about they don't know these characters. They don't care. We didn't know who Guardians of the Galaxy were. So that's kind of where I'm at. If you don't know who the creature commandos are, commandos are if you don't know who the authority is, if you don't know who Booster Gold is, I have questions. Um, <laughs> but a lot of this stuff is stuff that James Gunn excels at making. And also the two biggest DC heroes are on that slate. So I don't. I, I want to hear. I've talked about this a lot. There's a whole video on the comicbook.com YouTube channel where I talk about pretty much everything I heard, everything I know from the hour I spent with Gunn and Saffron. But Jen, I want to hear from you. You're a big DC fan. So yes. compare these two. What are you expecting? How are you expecting DC to perform? Well, I, I just first and foremost, I forgot what it was like to be this genuinely excited as a DC fan. I have not felt this exact version of euphoria in so, so long. Like I am still just absolutely gobsmacked at the fact of like, this is what we have to look forward to. And it is concrete and it is like lovingly put together. As we've said on the show in the past, the biggest problem was there were so many different cooks in the kitchen at DC, even just on the movie front. There were multiple producers being involved with stuff. And then you factor in the Arrowverse and all of the other TV shows. It was like every single toy was being evenly split up and passed around by all the different things. And it wasn't allowed to just be a fully fledged universe. We now get that fully fledged universe with this intent and with all of these projects that I was not expecting at all. I think that this compared to phase five and six, they're accomplishing two completely different things. I think the phase five and six, the MCU has hit its stride. It has been successful. It is now experimenting with that, with that success. It's branching into different genres, different types of stories and stuff. It's ultimately culminating in Secret Wars, which we know is probably going to play off of the nostalgia of it all. DC on the other side to me is like reminding people what they love about DC and what is capable to be loved about DC, which like has not really been explored on a large scale in the movies and TV for so long. Oh, somebody's talking about James Gunn's latest tweet. Um, I find all that interesting. I find it interesting that you're so excited because I have a hard time getting excited with DC. <laughs> I love DC characters. The problem is I feel like we've been here before so many times. Now this one feels different. I admit. Gunn and Saffron seem like they really actually have the keys to the kingdom and they're going to be able to do this stuff. I've sat in Hall H and watched those logos and release dates flash by. I've watched DC fandom like everybody else has. I've seen the banners with the breakdowns and the yearly movies and all that stuff that they share online. And all of it never happens. I've watched The Rock go on press tours and talk about how they're going to build out the Black Adam universe. And then what happens every time? It doesn't matter if you're The Rock. It doesn't matter if you're Stephen Amell. It doesn't matter if you're Zack Snyder. This stuff just gets chopped up and messed up and some of it doesn't have it. That said, this does feel different. There's some exciting and stuff in there. Like I have said in the past, I feel like before Warner Brothers was just treating DC as like a thing that they could get content from to fill out like their theatrical calendar. They were not treating it as a franchise in the way that like Marvel Studios is treated as a franchise right. from Disney. So I feel like the way that Gunn and Saffron are approaching this and the like the freedom that they are being given while we're still getting Elseworlds stuff at the same time, we're still getting the Batman sequels and spinoffs. We're still getting Joker too. Like we can kind of have our cake and eat it too. But I'm I'm optimistic at the idea of just getting this like comprehensive shared universe and having it be like very intentionally put together as opposed to Zack Snyder in one corner, The Rock in one corner, like everyone just kind of doing their own thing. Aaron, how are you feeling about this? Uh, I mean, cautiously optimistic. I think the funniest thing is that also the big, big vest himself, David Zavslav would agree. <laughs> the biggest thing on this thing is, will you get Superman right? Are you going to get Superman right? Yeah. Like we, we've sat through a lot of years where, I mean, some people would say that, you know, the Arrowverse content with Superman in it has just been just as strong as the cinematic stuff, which I'm just like, that can't happen. You know what I mean? Uh, in 
sports terms, you can't have the people you draft like in the second round outperforming people that you draft in the lottery. It doesn't make sense. So you've got to really get that right. And I think getting a lot of these big characters right will allow people to buy in because James Gunn does have some James Gunn picks in here too, which I found funny. I'm like, there's a lot of stuff where I feel like he just called his own number. Creature <laughs> Commandos, Booster. Uh, what's the what's the last one on this slate? Oh, Swamp Thing, of course. Like Adam's in the comments talking about it. So much so that they're getting fed. They're talking about shrimp fried rice in the comments right now. So I think that you really got to get Superman Legacy correct. Like you have to really nail that. And I think it'll be easier for people to buy in. I think Superman is really going to be the pivotal point. My question is, if Superman is not a big success, is this all going to be uprooted and the rug right. pulled out again? Absolutely. You know, because that's what that's what seems to happen. So I hope so. I just, the one thing that gives me so much confidence is that James Gunn has never betrayed me when it comes to making me care about his characters and and what he does with them. He made us care about Polka Dot Man. He made us care about Ratcatcher. He made us care about Rocket Raccoon and Groot. So I, I believe in that aspect of this for sure. Liam, what are you thinking about all this? Yeah, my biggest worry with all this is how many variables they're trying to control right from the start. Like he said in that announcement video, like, oh, it's going to be animated and live action and video games are going to factor in and the Elseworlds stories will still exist in their own pocket. And DC is like a multiverse. And it's like, you can't help but make the Marvel comparison of like, well, when phase one started, it was built in a cave with a box of scraps and there was a shield in the corner. And then there was like something here and there. And they built up, you know, a whole universe around four core heroes. I don't see why you can't do that with Superman Legacy and the Brave and the Bold. I think those are really good building blocks. But there's just so much other stuff that I'm happy that they're being ambitious with it. But we know what happens when DC gets ambitious in the past. And obviously things have changed. There's new leadership in place. And there's no reason not to trust James Gunn. So like Aaron said, I think the name of the game here is cautiously optimistic. The only thing I really wish we got from this announcement that we didn't was like genuine logos. The, the, the oh, logos that yeah. people give, uh, that Marvel gives out on their slate reveals, those things change five different times before the movie comes out. Like just something stocky to, to make it feel official official because right now all I was seeing were tweets with lists and that just feels kind of second rate to me when this should be as big as they want it to be. So uh, cautiously optimistic name of the game. My one mm -hmm. thing, I wish that they had like an actual DC Studios logo that they had released because mm -hmm. like that would be nice too, at very least like bare minimum. I do like to your point about all of the extra stuff that is introduced. I think like as as Brandon was saying, like the Guardians of the Galaxy became household names. Like that was not something that you could have planned in phase one of the MCU. A lot of the characters that are succeeding in the MCU now never could have imagined them even existing in phase one of the MCU. So I think like we're at this point with superhero media and with DC media, I would argue some of the stuff that succeeded the best are at of the weirder characters that aren't necessarily the big guns. So I think having this mix of both, I think makes it feel like more of a fully fledged universe. And I think that's going to be really exciting to see from the jump. What's interesting to think about is all those titles I named in phase five from Ant-Man through Thunderbolts and Deadpool three, somewhere in that list. That's over the course of two years. And all these other titles that DC announced as part of their chapter one are estimated to be over the course of five years. And they're going to add some titles. They're estimating two movies and two shows per year. I'm going to be honest. I think I'm really going to enjoy only two movies and two shows per year. I think Marvel is kind of overdoing it with so much content. And I think people are feeling burnt out. I know we have the most avid Marvel fans in the world. We are among them. 
but I'd be lying if I said every once in a while I'm not feeling a little burned out by having so much superhero content, let alone Marvel content. Every single week, it's a new episode of something else. And then also a movie on Friday sometimes, which is unfathomable because it feels so spoiled back in the day when we used to get one or two movies. We'd be like, oh my gosh, we might get three movies next year. We might get a show and a movie, all that. But I, I definitely do think maybe it's because when we're doing this job and Disney doesn't send out screeners, they make you, you know, race all the YouTubers and race against every other outlet in the world to try to get the best content out there and plan phase zero and all that stuff. Maybe that contributes to the burnout a little bit. But uh, I do think there's just so much. And a lot of my friends I talk to who don't do this for a living, uh, which I'm not complaining about doing this for a living. I love what we do. And it's not, I don't think it's hard work, but it is a lot of work. Uh, it, I, the burnout is real. So I'm, it's interesting how DC is spreading this stuff out. And I'm interested to see how much gets added if they do find success, if anything gets taken away, if they don't find success. Um, but ultimately, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because like phase five, this I'll say this, chapter one of the DCU feels like what phase four felt like. Mm-hmm. A lot of new characters, a story that we don't really know where it's going. It certainly can't be compared to phase one because I don't, like I just feel like there's so much more in this chapter one of the DCU. It does, but I am wondering where are we going? What's the story here? And I said to James, I asked James Gunn straight up. You know that Marvel phases typically culminate with a big crossover event and Avengers movie where it all comes together historically. Are you guys planning on doing that with Justice League movies or other groups within DC Comics? And he didn't really say yes or no. Uh, so. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this all comes together and how different this is. This was probably one of the most interesting quotes. I know my video is kind of frozen. I don't know if my audio is coming through. Okay. I hope we can hear is. you. Yeah. Okay. That's that low. That's that 5% battery life. Okay. A lot of people think this is going to be Marvel 2.0. And definitely I learned a lot of stuff at Marvel. I think that we have a lot of differences. I think that one of the reasons why I love DC is that it really is another universe. It's an alternate world with Marvel. Generally it's New York, Chicago, San Francisco here at DC. We have Metropolis, Gotham, Themyscira and Atlantis. And all of that is another fictional universe. And this is the world that we're creating. And he also talked about how, uh, they're really planning this out from the beginning. I don't know what that means. I don't know what they're planning out, but they're clearly, really planning this out and going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, Jenna, as a huge DC fan, given that this is called gods and monsters, we know the MCU is building to Kang and then to secret wars, maybe the beyonder, all that kind of stuff. We knew in the, in the infinity saga, it was all building to Thanos. Where do you see this building or where do you want this to go? I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I feel like there's so much potential just in all of these different pockets of storytelling. I know they did say that Lanterns seemingly will be like a narrative key, like John and Hal Jordan are probably going to discover something that is going to dovetail in, into the rest of the storytelling. So like I have some theories with that, but they're really complicated to kind of explain here. I I. I think that there's so much potential to do really cool events, to do big crossovers without having to immediately go into like a crisis kind of scenario or some sort of like everyone versus one big villain kind of scenario. Like I think there's a way to do stuff like the Janus Directive or Legends or just all of these kind of lesser known crossovers that bring everybody together. Even just doing something like a World's Finest movie with the new Batman and the new Superman, that would be a big enough crossover that I feel like people would get really happy with if it is done right. So I I don't think it's immediately going to be a Thanos situation but i think whatever they're planning is going to be again very intentional and just very fun all right so i'm going to end this conversation with this a question i want everybody to answer if you could watch the entire slate of titles that we know of for the dcu chapter one just right now binge them all 
as their finished product as they'll be for either the DCU chapter one or the MCU phase five. Which one are you watching, Aaron? You're at the top of the screen. Oh, man. I'm going to surrender my real pick to Liam because I think I know what he's going to pick. <laughs> uh, but if I couldn't do that, I think phase five ends with Thunderbolts, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I'm definitely probably going to say the Marvels. Spider-Verse sure. is not included. It's not in the MCU. Yeah, I said I said the Marvels. So, <laughs> like, like, I'm so definitely you're going doing Marvel. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Liam? Is is the question watch the slate from start to finish or one project from it? One you watch the whole slate and the rest of the oh, other the slate, slate, you gotta just wait okay. for it to arrive as it does. Okay. okay. Well, I'll answer both sides of the question. Cap four, baby. If I can choose this, one project out of everything, me and Aaron, same brain right there. <laughs> um, but if I could watch one from start to finish, I'm gonna say DC because I'm more excited for their TV shows and I don't wanna watch Marvel movies or DC movies at my home but if i had to choose like one of the two to, oh like, my gosh you guys are just freaking setting, you know what Let's i mean do, here here we're gonna make this even easier <laughs> if you could watch the entire dc <laughs> chapter one slate in the most optimal viewing uh, environment for each title of your liking would you rather watch the DCU chapter one slate in your most optimal viewing experience or the entire mcu phase five in your most optimal viewing experience environment <laughs> Aaron will come back to you go ahead <laughs> your answer is the same yes yeah, the same okay okay right, then Liam Jenna, yeah Jenna I think I know your answer Jenna I have waited so long to be at this point with DC I have waited I have done my time I I and I agree with you about Marvel I feel like I love the content that we have in the pipeline but there is so much of it I I would I would go DC I would love to just even just hearing the list of titles like that was enough. I felt so satisfied. Like I, I would give anything to be able to sit and watch the whole DC slate. Also, Liam, people in the comments are comparing you to James Cameron. So <laughs> me, oh yeah. my god, yeah, Here. because I need my Dolby surround yeah. sound to really immerse myself. Um, yeah. my answer will still be DC as well, specifically because I'm excited to learn. I'm, ex- I'm excited to start completely fresh with a whole bunch of like new characters that we're familiar with from the comics but grow and learn with them uh, compared to Marvel where it's like, if I were to sit down and watch phase five right now, binging, I'd almost want to be like, well, what do I remember from phase four? What do I need to rewatch and stuff like that? So yeah, I will happily watch the DC slate in the Dolby surround sounds, optimal viewing experience. <laughs> Kevin, if you're out there, yeah. I will watch phase five on a Game Boy Advance SP. <laughs> if you would just let me, I swear. <laughs> I think I'm definitely more excited for the stuff in the MCU. Uh, these characters, the stories, I'm I'm more excited for that. Uh, but that, I think, is because I don't know much about who's playing what characters. I haven't heard their storylines yet. So I think out of curiosity, I would watch the DCU stuff right now uh, and let the Marvel stuff come as it as it is scheduled to because I'm so curious about DC. And I am excited. I'm both excited. I'm excited and curious, but I'm only excited for the most part about Marvel. I think Ant-Man might change that, even though y'all ranked it so low on our dang uh, rankings. Because we were more excited for everything else. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. All right, y'all. A bunch of traders here. We're going to have to start the Chapter Zero podcast in order to to keep that (laughs) hype going. But uh, all right, we'll we'll be back in just a minute. When we come back, we're going to talk about Dave Batista. He's making us all cry before Guardians 3 even releases, but he did a great job in knocking the cabin. We got some Ant-Man stuff to talk about, Thunderbolts, and more. We'll see you in just a minute.
back, everybody, to phase zero. Um, I think BD had technical issues, unfortunately, so he might have he might have dipped during the break. I'm so happy that everyone loves our hold music, by the way. Uh, that the, those comments always make me very happy. Um, so now we're going to get into MCU news for the week, uh, beginning with Dave Bautista already making all of us cry, as BD mentioned about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. So he was on Fallon tonight, and he said that Drax gets the perfect ending, and that he's never going to come back. So I think we have that clip loaded up. Guilty sure. of not reading. Uh... The endings of, of scripts of movies I'm in because. Glass well, Onion, I read that you didn't read the ending. I didn't. No. I hope Ryan's not pissed at me. I totally didn't. No, because because you want to be surprised? I do. I want to go. I'm a fan. I want to go. If I'm not involved in the end, I want to go and I want to watch it like a fan. I know, but you're yeah. in it. You have to read the script. Yeah, but I kind of can get a sense of what I need to do just by you know, kind of. <laughs> I'm that. not unprofessional. I know my dialogue. Yeah, I you do. But I want to be. You're very professional. Yeah, I want to be surprised. I am guilty. Um, so BD is back. Yay. Can we hear you? Are you there? Yes. Hello. Awesome. So Yay. you take it away with the drafts of it all. Cause I know you, you probably have a lot of feelings about this. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, Dave was talking to Fallon about saying how the Drax gets the perfect ending, uh, that it's like his wrestling career. It's a perfect ending and he would never want to go back and tarnish it. He'll never go back and revisit something just for a paycheck. So it sounds like he's like, when these actors finish up the roles, like I feel like we all kind of think Robert Downey Jr. is going to come back and play Iron Man one more time. I feel like Dave is like done after Guardians 3. And I don't know if that means Drax is going to die, but I do believe that man is done with this role for for real. I completely agree. Also, like I need to acknowledge he had another interview where he talked about how he feels like nobody wants to cast him in a romantic comedy. I need Hollywood to fix that like yesterday. I need a Dave Batista rom-com like immediately because like that just sounds delightful. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I really am curious about when we're going to get Dave Batista visits the Firefly Funhouse to really put a cap <laughs> on his whole career. Uh, because when people have their weird career retrospective, I want Bray Wyatt to do it. But he does sound like there's a real finality to it and like a letting go, which is very, very interesting because usually people keep the door open forever because, I mean, you need to put another section on your house or, you know, you need another boat or whatever. But Dave seems to really be at peace. Also, yes, uh, someone on Twitter made a thread about, like, casting him as, like, a firefighter who saves a girl, like, cat out of a tree when they fall in love on, like, Hallmark Network. Y'all, what are y'all doing? You are leaving money on the table. Please, God, let it happen. I will just say with the Drax thing, I, I still stand by my theory. If he doesn't die, he just walks off into the sunset playing a saxophone, and we just honor comic Drax that way. Like, I'm still sticking with that until I'm proven wrong. Liam, what do you think? Yeah, I do think that this will be his last appearance as Drax, whether that's him getting killed off or whether that's him just kind of retiring as the character. Him in just his various careers, he always has that sense of permanence. When he came back to WWE uh, in 2019, he came back for one storyline with Triple H, which is what he wanted to do back in 2014, but then plans got derailed, injuries happened, blah, blah, blah. He waited five years to eventually have enough time in his schedule to give himself the send-off that he always wanted which was losing to the guy that made him a giant star, that being Triple H. I think he looks at Guardians in the same way. James Gunn made him a star in Hollywood. He often says how much he owes his acting career to James Gunn for putting him on the map with Guardians 1. I think that this is his swan song of like, this is how I'm going to go out. I think they definitely collaborated on the ending for Drax in terms of the actor and director. And I would be surprised to see him again. He likes that sense of permanence and all of his quotes 
make it feel special because when you leave the door open, it makes that like ending moment feel, have like less weight to it. Going in, knowing that this will be the last time we see Drax, is going to make it a more special movie. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for all things Guardians 3. He's going to just look, he's going to want to be with Ovet and Camaria again, and he's going to look at the high evolutionary and say, give me what I want. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> give me what I want. <laughs> Dave was great in knocking the cabin. Liam, you just met Dave Bautista for the first time. How was it? Yeah. He's the nicest guy in Hollywood. Like genuinely, like nice. I was, I was blown away by just, the amount of time he gave me in a very rushed, you know, press line setting. Um, and then we chatted a little bit at the after party too, just about wrestling and acting and just life in general. And he's, he's someone that I, I root for as just like a person beyond his career. He makes good movies and that helps, but like, he's just a genuinely great dude. Chatted a bit at the after party. No big deal. No yeah, big deal. I know. <laughs> no big deal. All right. Talking about after parties, the, uh, the Ant-Man after party is about to be insane. Uh, if their box office is accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Ant-Man and the Lost Quantum Mania, the projections are getting as high as $131 million for its opening weekend, uh, looking more like a realistic 120 for a four-day with the whole holiday going on. And one thing I want to bring up with the Ant-Man box office is Marvel's first of the year tends to be a massive success. Like, I feel like people get burnout towards the tail end. Black Panther 2 did really well, but like Thor Love and Thunder coming out after Doctor Strange 2 when people were a little iffy on that movie. It made significantly less than what they were expecting. Um, and you just look at the numbers. Doctor Strange 2 opening 2022 with $185 million. Black Panther and Captain Marvel both opened 2018 and 2019. They both went on to make a billion dollars despite having like, you know, greater MCU ties, but no huge involvement. Like those were origin stories for characters that audiences hadn't met before in a solo capacity and their opening weekends as well, 202 million for Black Panther, 154 for Captain Marvel. Uh, so Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think is gonna start off very, very strong, especially for the Ant-Man franchise. The first Ant-Man movie doing 57 million, Ant-Man and the Wasp doing 75 million. Uh, and I think February is a good release month for Marvel. Like Black Panther crushed in it. Captain Marvel came out in March. I think people are ready to dive into the summer movie season before it officially starts. And I expect Ant-Man 3 to do good numbers. And I really hope it has legs too, because that's going to be the biggest thing. Uh, Aaron, what are your thoughts on uh, on Ant-Man's early projections? Uh, I think that your February point is very well taken, because if you browse Twitter, half the theater is just going to be rooting for Kang. I don't know how, <laughs> but it does seem like Jonathan Majors has found some way to absolutely Shanghai this movie <laughs> onto his own, onto his back somehow. And that should be very interesting, especially if it proves to be uh, more connected to the stuff prior as well. That's really going to be the test of it, I think, more than anything else, is that is somebody else going to pop up in this thing? And if so, you'll get like, whoa, man, crazy box office like you had with Doctor Strange at the beginning and some of the other stuff that's been more popular. I mean, uh, uh, there's a bunch of people out there, BD among them, that want this stuff to start kind of coming together. And I think that that's probably its biggest strength, like heading forward, definitely. I, I don't ask for much. I just <laughs> want my stories to be as connected as James Gunn promises the DC universe will be. Uh, I, the, I mean, that, that first movie of the year point is interesting because even like Deadpool was it 2016 when the first Deadpool came out and that just printed money and that was a February yeah. release. I don't think Ant-Man 3 is going to come or Black Panther uh, as it's not projected to either. 
But those movies also had the huge benefit of being slotted right around Infinity War and Endgame, which was right around the time Marvel was, the Marvel Cinematic Universe was reaching its peak. Uh, Black Panther became a phenomenon for more reasons than that. And Captain Marvel also just became zeitgeist. But I think Captain Marvel being sandwiched in between Infinity War and Endgame helped it. But also Ant-Man and the Wasp was sandwiched in there too, and it did not put up Captain Marvel. So you can't really detract from the success of those movies by saying it's only because of those two things. But I do think they're certainly a factor. Whereas Quantumania is arriving where I think, I know Kevin Feige and a lot of people in our comment section say superhero fatigue isn't real, but there's so much superhero content not just for Marvel. I mean, you have the boys, you have Invincible doing things in animation. That's incredible. You have the DC universe releasing even if they're not really part of the future, but there's still all that. You have Peacemaker on HBO. There's a lot of comic book content. And I think that uh, it used to be Marvel was the kind of like the, the I mean, Marvel still at the king of the hill. I don't think there's really any question about that right now. I think the competition's about to differ, but uh, there's just so much in general. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Quantumania performs and how the how the movie how good the movie is in itself, and then how conversation around it whether it ties into the rest of the MCU, the future of the MCU in ways that felt movies used to when they were kind of this sort of event feeling thing, like what we expected from Doctor Strange. Uh, how that helps it have legs. And also, I'm seeing promo for this movie everywhere. There were ads for it, like literally all over LAX. There's ads for it in Times Square. There's ads for it. I actually woke up and I didn't even turn my TV on. I just, it, like I woke up, my TV became an ad. Disney actually tapped into my power <laughs> system. And there was a Quantumania ad before I was allowed to get out of bed. And I had to click skip ad to go get breakfast. So Ant-Man, Quanta, Ant-Man the Wasp, Quantumania stuff is all over the place. And they're pushing it in 3D. Like I was watching ESPN last night and I saw a commercial that said, go experience it in 3D. That right there is what we're calling the avatar effect. I have not seen a Marvel movie in 3D. And I don't, I think since the first Avengers movie, I'm not a 3D person in the first place. I also though, haven't seen these movies advertised to be watched in 3D like that in a long time. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I'm sure it hasn't, I'm just forgetting. But this one's getting a 3D push. That's the avatar effect. That's gonna balloon the box office even more. I completely agree. I also like, we also have to acknowledge the box office is so high because the promo finally shows Kang saying the line that we've been waiting for him to say for like, <laughs> that's exactly it. That's it. I'm so happy that we finally got that. Like on Saturday and Sunday, I was like, oh my God, I'm so vindicated. But yeah, I, this is about the numbers that I would have expected for the box office. I do find the 3D push very interesting. I do think that is a direct result of Avatar because it's like we can make so much more money if we really incentivize you to get a 3D ticket. I don't know how rewarding of an experience that would be, like, because I am personally not a huge 3D person either, but I, I like that they're pushing it. I'm curious to see with Guardians and the Marvels and everything else if they also push it that same way like that'll be really interesting to see the next time you hear from aaron and i on phase zero we will have seen him and the wasp quantumania Ooh. and I, I, I will say i will say y'all's opinion on the movie will be crucial to the box office because there's been a, <laughs> reoccurring, be. yeah. there's been a reoccurring pattern with marvel releases yeah. i'm not saying you guys specifically but when you make a good movie yeah. It tends to make money. Like word of mouth <laughs> is so powerful. It's like Thor, Love and Thunder dip below the projections after reviews started coming out. I don't think that's a coincidence. Like if this movie gets good reviews, good social reactions, it will exceed projections and have legs at the box office. That's the secret sauce. Yeah. I want I this man to put that of, on a whiteboard. <laughs> Listen, I remember walking out of Thor and I, I tweeted that it was my favorite Thor movie. 
uh, I, I was wrong. It's not my favorite Thor movie. I need to retract that. I bought into the hype, and I apologize for buying into the hype. It's a lesson learned. Thor is not my favorite. I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. Thor 1 is the best Thor movie, and that's a fact. You can print that. I stand by it. Thor, Thor, Shakespearean Thor, Kenneth Branagh gave us the best Thor movie. Not to say Ragnarok's not great. That's okay. You can love Ragnarok, but you can also respect the fact that Thor 1 is the best Thor movie. All right. my I look like a... I look like a buffoon. I'm lowering the production quality on this show. I probably sound awful. I'm coming from my phone. I'm going to let y'all do the rest of the show without me because uh, my computer died and I got to go get a computer charger uh, and and be a productive human today. But thank you uh, for, for having me on today's show. I don't think I have anything else. So you guys, uh, I, I trust you guys. It's in good hands. All right. We love you. All right. Bye, Bye. All right. Well, so keeping the train rolling on MCU news uh, for the week. So, Andy Park, who a friend of the show, you can go back and listen to our interview with him, um, teased on Instagram that Thunderbolts is a stealth Black Widow sequel, but he kind of also didn't at the same time. Um, he posted some art from the like art book for the Black Widow movie, and his current Instagram caption says, here's the back cover portion for the wraparound cover I got to illustrate for the art of Black Widow. Get your copy today. Taskmaster, Red Guardian, Yelena, and Valentina will be returning in the upcoming Thunderbolts film. It's like these movies are connected or something. It's going to get interesting. Originally, in that comment, in that caption, he called it a stealth sequel to Black Widow. Um, that made headlines. I know I wrote up our article about it. Um, the post was then edited. Um, so what do we think about that? I know like even when the roster was first announced at D23, people kind of saw this as a like spiritual Black Widow sequel. But like, what do we think about it kind of being one, but then also retracting it and not really having it be one? Liam, what do you think? Well, I think the reason why they retract the statement is because they do want to make it feel more like a team effort. But I and I agree that it will play like that, but I think it'll play like that in the same way that Captain America Civil War is basically an Avengers movie where it's like, sure, Steve Rogers is clearly in the lead, but this feels more like Avengers 2.5 than Captain America 3. Uh, and I say that because it's being called Thunderbolts and I think it'll feel like Thunderbolts, but Yelena Belova and Red Guardian will be kind of the clear maybe one and two. And, you know, maybe Red Guardian not being pushed as much as Bucky or something, but I think because of his relationship with Yelena, those two will share a lot of screen time. I'm still rocking with my prediction. Unfortunately, I don't want David Harbour's MCU days to be over, but I do think he's a high candidate to end up dying in this movie because of the emotional impact with the clear lead, that being Yelena Belova. Um, so yeah, I, I like what they're saying about this movie because it feels like what we've all been waiting for. It's connectivity. It's going to end out phase five by linking back to the project that essentially started phase four, that being Black Widow. I completely agree. Also, I, I mourn the fact that Jamie is not here because she, since she's the number one Black Widow defender on the show. I'm There's, sure someone dropped the comment and pointed <laughs> yeah. out. They were like, are Jamie and Liam the same person? Because they've never <laughs> been on a show together. And I'm starting to question reality myself because like, I don't know. We, we also have similar thoughts on Letterboxd too. I'm like, what? is life anymore you're like a westworld android who's like gaining sentience you're like questioning the nature <laughs> of reality <laughs> like jamie jamie misses all of you like she she has construction at her house that makes it really hard to record so that's why she's not here this week but but yeah you and liam like she and liam are becoming the same person see um, drop to jenny drop the ruse you can't let him know <laughs> he can't help himself aware we all see blade runner um yeah, I, I am, yeah, I'm excited to see this because at first I was like, ah, Black Widow was fine. It was cool, you know, but having the bookends makes a lot of sense. It's not just the bookends like story wise. It's also 
giving people more of what they want. And like Liam said, there is like, if you are looking like, where's the connectivity? Well, if nothing else on the slate would give it to you, freaking Thunderbolts has it in spades. There's so much that's going to come to a head in what's supposed to be the end of a phase. Like, you know, it's going to be wild. I know that there's been a lot of conversation in our community and other places about whether the Avengers movie for this phase should have came sooner or why I held it to the end or whatever. But I think that it also ensures that we're all going to be absolutely feral by the time Thunderbolts comes out looking for the big team up amongst all the heroes. And, you know, there's other stuff hiding in here, too. Like, you know, that there's not just going to be like Black Widow 2. There's other craziness that's going to happen in between now and then. Like, we've only done phase four. Like, we're, we're literally about to be in the first thing from phase five in like a week. Well, like two weeks for some of y'all. But still. <laughs> You know, um, so it should be exciting. I, I'm really, really enthused in a way that I was like, oh, man, when this first got announced, I was like, ah. and then now I'm like, oh, I'm all the way in. But that might have something to do with our next piece of news. You could, you could call it Thunderbolts. You could call it Black Widow 2. You could call right. it Bucky 8. Bucky <laughs> 8. I don't know. Have some fun with it. There's, yeah, like you said, there's so many different storylines going on. Uh, so much that's going to be furthered in one movie. That's the beauty of a team-up movie. Even on a smaller scale, we saw it with like, Thor Ragnarok, Doctor Strange 2, like when you bring characters together, multiple storylines get to get progressed at once. And I think Thunderbolts is going to do that in spades. I, I do agree, though. I, I hope that like by the time we get to the point of this movie coming out, like it it is a little bit weirder and a little bit more eccentric in the way that phase five seems to be, because I'm like most of the people on this team that we know of right now have the same exact skill set. Most of them carry shields and some sort of gun. Like I, I'm very curious to see like what the actual conflict ends up being like and how you juxtapose it with that crop of people, which then kind of dovetails to Aaron's new new story that I, I know he's very excited to talk about. Well, uh, Thunderbolts has also made a habit. Besides Agatha, it is the most casted of these <laughs> MCU projects of Phase 5. Uh, the Bear Star, Ao Adibri, joined the cast in a mystery role. You might know her from that program. She's a writer on Big Mouth. Actually, voices Missy on Big Mouth, too, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. I've, se I've seen her stand up a while ago before the whole Big Mouth uh, job and stuff. So I was absolutely shocked and delighted by this and i'm like they just keep reeling me in things that you know are not supposed to be up there in the hype rankings for me when we did the hype rankings before it's all just moving around and they will not tell us who any of these people are in this they are keeping that all in lock and key which i think is smart because of the way the information ecosystem works now you know who half the people are playing like you know we've got liam sitting there like hmm bill murray Look real familiar. <laughs> I don't know. So, how do you feel about the casting? Are you excited for there to be all these weird other characters in it that we don't know about? I I love this casting. Um, I tweeted my theory. I hope that she's playing Songbird because that is like the one Thunderbolts comic accurate member outside of Zemo that I'm like I really want to see on this team. Um, I somehow have not seen the Bear despite living in Chicago. I'm going to hopefully change that very soon. But she did write my one of my favorite What We Do in the Shadows episodes, which was the one where they like auditioned for Colin to go to private school. And so that alone, I'm like she is so talented. She is so funny. I'm very curious to see how they use her in this context. So I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm not too familiar uh, with her work, admittedly, and I like being kept in the dark on what character she could possibly be playing. Because as you mentioned, even if it is someone like a songbird, then people like us start going, well, songbird appeared in this comic and this iteration. So they might be following this storyline. And it's like, you know, that stuff is all very fun. But I like when they kind of control the narrative a little bit by saying like, you know, OK, now we'll tell you this because maybe we want your theories to go in that direction. 
Um, as for just my excitement about the casting, I just like the tangibility of it. Like Captain America four is happening. They're casting for this thing. It's going to shoot probably pretty soon. And anytime we get news about it, it's just, it's cool that, you know, we're getting a fourth cap movie, but passing on the baton to Sam Wilson. I completely agree. All right. So we are going to take another quick one minute break, and then we're going to come back with a couple more news items to end out the show. So stay tuned. Welcome back to phase zero. Uh, we have a couple more news items to kind of round out the week. Um, Aaron, do you want to take it away? Sure. Um, so we have news about what the most streamed Marvel film on Disney Plus was this last year. And in a shocker, it's Eternals. So it ended up winning in a landslide. We got some numbers from Nielsen, courtesy of Variety. It was streamed 4.36 billion minutes coming in at number 13 on their top two top thir- 15 stream movies of 2022. Jesus Christ, that's a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's always funny when the reception of certain movies doesn't match up among like Twitter or like the core fan base. And then you get the numbers and people are just like, nah, I just want to watch sand and freaking weird celestial nonsense at the end of it, you know? I think this is really interesting that it like technically is the most streamed. I I wonder if it's a lot of factors of like it was on Disney Plus for like the most of 2022. Like it it dropped in like the middle of January. And so I think that might have contributed to it, too, is like it probably had the most days available that people people could watch it. It's relatively long compared to most other MCU movies. So I'm sure that affected the minutes streamed. Um, But it is really interesting to know, like it was streamed that much and that frequently. Like, I'm very curious to see if we eventually get an Eternals follow up in some sort of way. I know I predicted at the start of the show at, at the start of this year that we would maybe know what happens with one of them by the end of this year. If that does happen, I will be very curious to see like what the audience response is when you take into account all of the people who have just streamed it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing for me about this news is the fact that people still went and watched this movie compared to the box office numbers. Because like Eternals didn't do great at the box office. It did fine. Like It made its money back. I- I'm, I'm fairly certain it made a profit. But this was one that, if you look at just the Phase 4 slate, was the riskiest of the bunch because Shang-Chi had the Ten Rings in the subtitle. So even if you're not familiar with the character, you're familiar with what that weapon is in terms of the greater MCU. It ties to the MCU's most popular character in Iron Man, after all. Um, So the fact that people still went out and watched this movie tells me that people are still very interested in new characters but they might not necessarily flock to the box office to see them. Like, I don't think that there was ever going to be a doubt that people were going to see Doctor Strange 2 if they had watched the entire Infinity Saga. Same thing with Thor, same thing with Black Panther. That's why all those movies made a ton of money at the box office and probably did pretty well on streaming. But I have friends who are, you know, casual Marvel fans that will ask me, like, is it worth checking out? I'll probably wait till streaming. And that happened a lot with Eternals. But it's cool to see that people didn't just say, oh, I'm going to ignore it completely. I'll still watch it when it's more convenient for me. Jordan Tanner, i like to shout you out. That's true, because it did come out during the early part of the pandemic. And yeah. when I went to that theater, yeah. I felt very, very safe. It was very well spaced. I was yeah. very happy about it at the time. But I'm like, if this wasn't my job, maybe yeah. we wouldn't be in here right now, you know? 
It certainly was not Spider-Man No Way Home, where I was like, is it 2018? There's a lot of y'all in here. My goodness. I definitely uh, do think that's part of it. Because it's like, I, like all of the analysts have said, like, normal movie going is probably not going to go back to normal until, like, maybe this time next year at, like, best case scenario. So I'm sure, like, people have kind of gotten into a habit of, like, oh, I'll just watch it at home. And I'm sure Eternals was kind of that movie for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. And then our last piece of news for today, uh, the speculation is already swirling around this. Um, so John Bernthal was in a show, a show adaptation of Amer- American Gigolo. It has now been canceled after one season, just as Daredevil Born Again is about to start filming sometime this month. So is Frank Castle coming to the MCU? What do you guys think? Well, I wish they would have got Liam Hemsworth to replace him in that show that just got canceled, you know, rather Oof. than just cancel it outright. I don't know. I'm I'm speculating there. Oof. A uh, little little Witcher joke for for all the Netflix fans out there. But I will say, out of all the Netflix characters that I want to see migrate to the MCU, John Bernthal's Punisher has always been number one. Like I love Charlie Cox's Daredevil. There was such a movement behind him to get into the MCU that I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll toss a retweet. I'll toss a like, but you, you don't need my support. You guys are a complete nation. John Bernthal, on the other hand, things have been a little bit quieter because he was introduced later into the fact. Like I always see like Kristen Ritter and, you know, uh, uh, just Iron Fist in general, maybe not uh, Finn Jones's specific iteration. But John Bernthal's Punisher, I feel like always kind of flies below the radar for a lot of people. And he is that character. I don't want to see anyone else take on the Punisher if he's going to return in Daredevil Born Again, that's a perfect place to set him up. And then eventually, hopefully, when we do get a Midnight Suns project, I know he's not like a core member of the team. He's more just like in fan art of it. But I want to see Punisher and Moon Knight, man. Like I want to see John Bernthal and Oscar Isaac sharing the screen together and just knocking fools. I think it'd be fun. Somewhere Jim Viscardi just screamed at oh. the idea of Punisher and Moon Knight together. Um, Aaron, what do you think? Like, yeah. Um, I mean... The funny thing about him, right, too, and I think this works for Charlie Cox as well, is that they both, like, sneaky, like, have range. Like, they're really good actors. Like, outside of the MCUs, they're really good actors. So, like, if you haven't seen, like, King Richard or some of the other stuff that Berthold's been in, you should go look at that. I was, like, really surprised. I was like, wow, holy crap. Like, I didn't really care one way or the other because you know like it's all gonna they're all gonna come out of poor at some point later y'all like i don't know what to tell you but uh i would enjoy seeing him in that role again because he obviously enjoys it and for a day on twitter where all the scared frank castle gifs just (laughs) stop and get replaced by whatever happens in the mcu Oh, that would be great. My thing with with Frank, I, I love John Bernthal as Frank. I think that they do a really good job. I think Punisher as a character himself is just like a very unique, kind of problematic, kind of interesting, complicated character. And so I think if you're bringing him into the MCU, there there's a lot of potential there, but I think you kind of have to do it in a way that like does not make it more complicated. I think bringing him into Daredevil Born Again and kind of reuniting him with Matt is a good way to go. My pet theory for the longest time since Armor Wars was announced was that we would maybe get Frank Castle getting the War Machine suit and kind of lean into that storyline. I think that would be a really cool way to kind of recontextualize him in the MCU and differentiate from the story that we had before um so i'm still gonna hold on to that especially if he does end up appearing in born again but we'll just have to wait and see you think there's any chance they give him swords like in the comic run right now that would be amazing like any i I like frank castle the most when he just goes extremely weird like one of my favorite punisher books that they did recently was it was like set around war of the realms and it was him
him with like Thor's goats and Foggy Nelson just like going to go kill some like Asgardian ice giants or something to like get revenge for a bunch of children whose parents died. Like you can do all of these very ridiculous concepts with the Punisher and you can make it really work. And so I hope that if we get him in the MCU, you lean into that weirdness a little bit more because I think that would kind of make it a little bit more fun. You hear that, Marvel? Make Frank a castle. Do it. Yes. You can do whatever you want. You can do we whatever you want. We now have Frankenstein on the DC side. Like, right. we are now getting him in Creature Commando. So, like, give give us Frank and Castle. Why not? Anything's possible. Oh, my God. Adam Barhart just levitated out of his chair wherever he's sitting in <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> he's going to get Swamp Thing, Man Thing, Frankenstein, maybe Frankencastle. Like, he's going to be so happy. Oh. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm excited by the possibility of him being in Born Again. I'm also just excited for Born Again to start filming because I know they're supposedly going to take a very long amount of time. So very curious for them to get started on those 18 episodes, which is still just wild to say out loud. <laughs> Um, so that's it for today's phase zero, uh, technical difficulties, notwithstanding, I think this was a really great show. Um, Liam, do you have anything that you want to plug or leave the viewers with? Yeah, you can find me on all socials right down there below at Liam T. Crowley. Uh, I have some interview quotes from knock at the cabins, uh, world premiere, which was really fun. Uh, we didn't get to do video, unfortunately, but, uh, Batista gave some great insight about, uh, WWE and stuff like that. I got to speak with Jonathan Groff, who is incredible to talk to, and same with M. Night Shyamalan. Um, outside of that obligatory Percy Jackson plug, the show wraps production this week, and I'm going to have a very in-depth, detailed uh, production timeline article that'll come out hopefully this weekend, uh, if all things go according to plan. So, uh, yeah, and besides that, go to the movies. It's February. Like, I know the summer movie season's a couple months away, but, you know, we got Creed this... Not Creed is this month, I believe? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Ant-Man, uh, Knock of the Cabin is coming out this weekend. There's so much good stuff to Cocaine check out. Bear. Cocaine Bear. <laughs> You're looking to get wild, like, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, to, a lot of good stuff. Uh, go support the theaters. Aaron, do you have anything to plug? Uh, it's at Summit Lake Hornet, and if you want to see Liam wearing the heck out of a suit, go on his social to see him take pictures yeah. of Liam Night Shyamalan. Uh, go look at Jenna's Twitter for all strange DCU <laughs> theories, including a resurrected Batman through the Paleolithic era. Uh, since it is Black History Month, happy Black History Month. I'd like to shout out Stephanie Williams' uh, story in DC Power Celebration with Nubia and Bumblebee. Go check that out. And uh, I have a talk with Dominic Thorne that will be coming out on the site tomorrow where we talk about Ironheart, we talk about Wakanda Forever, we talk about Miss Angela Bassett. It is going to be a lot of fun. So you guys can look forward to that. I love that. I, I second the story from Stephanie Williams. It's really good. And yeah, definitely go check out Aaron's interview because that's going to be awesome. Um, it's at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on all the social media. As always, go read some comics. Um, this week, I'm going to promote kind of some relevant comics considering the announcements from DC yesterday. Go read anything that Grant Morrison has written. Um, their, their work is clearly all over Guns Slate. They wrote All-Star Superman. They wrote the Batman and Robin stuff with Damian Wayne. They wrote The Authority. I literally have right over here a prose book that they wrote called Super Gods, which kind of talks about like the history of all superhero media. And it is just like, it is my Bible, basically. Like it is so well thought out and so compelling. So go check out anything that they have written because they are just an amazing talent. 
Go um, check out at JB Cinematics. Scarlet Witch number two is in <laughs> yes, store. Yes, yeah, go, right go read Scarlet Witch number two. I, I read and reviewed it for the site. It is an excellent issue. I need to talk to Aaron as soon as possible about like the Viv and Vision family stuff in it because it is so good. Um, but yeah, so, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Don't forget to leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. If you, if you leave a question at the end of your review, we will hopefully answer it on the show sooner than later. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye.